Christmas Eve service is that it shouldn't just be the holiday season that we celebrate Jesus. It should be something that we do every single day, all year round. And I think sometimes we just get so caught up in things that we just kind of forget why we celebrate. And in Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23, we get a reminder of who Jesus is and why he's worth celebrating. In verse 15 and following, it says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. And Jesus came for this reason, to be our Savior. And he came to take the weight of our sins, and he was nailed to that cross. But he didn't stay up there, he rose from the grave to make that salvation complete. And so this morning as we take communion, we remember exactly what it is that Jesus has done for us. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for sending your son. Thank you so much for bearing the weight of our sins. Thank you so much for that hard decision to hang your son on the cross. God, thank you so much for not just leaving them there, but Father, to, to bring him back from the dead. And Father, I pray this morning as we take communion, we would remember why we celebrate every single day what it is you've done for us. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen. After a time of prayer and reflection, there's communion on each of the corners. Well, if you have your Bibles, open over to Deuteronomy chapter 11. Deuteronomy chapter 11, or you can follow along on version. And while you are turning there, uh, I cannot believe it. We are just a few days away from a new year. Uh, can, who all here, I'm a little survey, show of hands, who thinks that this year has gone by quick? Yeah, like this year has gone by like a blur. I was just telling Kay the other day, it feels like this is the fastest year ever. And uh, I can't believe we're starting a new year in just a few days. And I actually really like the end of the year. And the reason I really like the end of the year is because the end of the year is a great time for retrospect. 
it's a great time to look back on everything that's happened and, and reflect on, on what we've done, on, on things that have happened in our life. And it seems to be a common thing that we do because if you think about it, when you watch the news or any social media outlet, any news publication, it seems like every year at this time we get the year in review, right? We get the year in review. We, we get what happened in pop culture, what happened in sports, what happened in the news, what were the big headlines this year? And you know, we'll get alerts and texts and all these things. Hey, this is our year in review. Just the other day, I got a uh, text from Apple saying, here are your photos in your year in review. And if you're like me, when you think about the previous year, a lot of times we do so with a mix of emotions, right? Like, for example, maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking this has been the best year ever, like the best year ever, like everything that you've wanted to happen has happened. Uh, maybe with work you had new opportunities, you had a promotion, uh, you had more time with family and friends, and it just seems like this was the best year ever. And you're looking at 2022 and you're thinking, man, I just hope that it continues on into next year and things continue to go as well as they've gone this year, because it was a great year. Or Maybe you're here this morning and you're looking at this previous year in exhaustion. You're sitting here and you're like, man, I think I was home for like one minute of, you know, 365 days. Like, it was just, I was here and here and here and here and it was like I was never home. Maybe work was just all the time you were being, you know, called in or whatever. Or maybe it was just a year of trials, Right? Like maybe this year you struggled in a relationship or, or you, had to, you had to fight for a relationship and it just, it was tough, it was hard, it was difficult. You had to scratch, you had to claw your way out of it, but you're sitting here this morning with a smile on your face because I made it through. I made it through. I'm tired, I'm exhausted, but guess what? I'm still standing, I'm still fighting, I made it through, and I'm looking forward to seeing how in 2022 everything that I went through this year is going to push me into next year. Or maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, man, 2021 was just a year of sorrow. It was just a hard year. You lost a loved one, you you lost relationship, maybe stuff happened at work that was, it just made your year unbearable and it was just hard. Illnesses, whatever you've been going through. And you're looking at 2021 and you're like, man, I'm just glad this year is over because I want to get into 2022 and restart. You see, the year, or at the end of the year, it's a good time for retrospect and it's a good time to look on everything that has happened but more so than just things that have happened in our life, it's a good time to look back at our spiritual lives as well. It's a good time to reflect on what has happened in my walk with God. How did I do this year when it comes to my walk with God? Did I do the things that I know I needed to? Did I do the right thing when those opportunities came? Or are you looking at the end of the year thinking, man, I just felt like there was a distance between me and God. 
I felt like no matter how hard I tried, I just, I kept doing the wrong thing. I kept struggling with, you know, things that were tempting me. And I'm just looking at this year and thinking, man, next year's got to be different. Next year has to be different in my walk with God. Or maybe it's a good time to reflect, what has God done for me this year? How has God helped me this year? How has God you know, pushed me in new direction, has pushed me out of my comfort zone this year? What has God done for me this previous year? And so this morning, we are going to look back at this year. And the title of the message this morning is called Hindsight. And you know what they say, right? Hindsight, or hindsight is 2020. If we only knew then, or if I only knew then what I know now, things would have been differently. The good news is, and is with our walk with God, we can look back at what God has done. We can look back at the things that we struggled with and, and that we need to reflect on and change. We can look at those things and say, guess what? I'm going to do better this coming year. And so we look back to look ahead. We look back to move forward. And so, uh, you know, what is one, what's the number one thing we do in the beginning of a new year? We set goals. We set goals. That's our, our thing we do. We set goals. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat healthier this year. I'm going to exercise more. I'm going to read more, or I'm going to do this more, whatever. We have these goals. I'm going to do this more, or I'm going to do this differently. And so our text this morning in Deuteronomy 11 gives us two goals that we can do. If, if we look back at the things that we could do differently, if we look back at the things that we need to fix this year, I think that these two goals will help us go in the direction that we want to go in. So, uh, we're starting in Deuteronomy, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 1. And it says this, Love the Lord your God and keep His requirements, His decrees, His laws, and His commands always. And so, stopping right there for a second, notice what he said here, Love the Lord your God and keep His requirements, His decrees, his law, and his commands always. And you see, this isn't the only time that we read these words in chapter 11. If you go down to verse 8, it says this, Observe, therefore, all the commands I am giving you today, so that you may have the strength to go in and take over the land that you are crossing, the Jordan to possess, and so that you may live long in the land the Lord swore to your ancestors to give to them and their descendants a land flowing with milk and honey. The land you are entering to take over is not like the land of Egypt from which you have come, where you planted your seed and irrigated it by foot as in a vegetable garden. But the land you are crossing the Jordan to take possession of is a land of mountains and valleys that drink rains from the heaven. And again, this isn't the only time we see these words observe all the commands. Down in verse 13, so if you faithfully obey the commands I am giving you today to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, then I will send rain on your land in its season, both autumn and spring rains, so that you may gather in your grain new wine and olive oil. I will provide grass in the fields for your cattle, and you will eat and be satisfied. 
And so the first goal here that it tells us is that we need to follow God's commands. That's priority number one. As we go into the new year, that should be our number one goal. That is the one thing that of all the priorities we make, this is priority number one. Follow God's commands. Scripture tells us this in John, or 1 John 5, verses 2 through 3. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out His commands. In fact, this is love for God, to keep His commands, and His commands are not burdensome. Leviticus 22.31 tells us, Keep my commands and follow them. I am the Lord. Psalm 103.17-18 tells us, But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear Him, and His righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep His covenant, and remember to obey His precepts. You see, God calls us to follow His decrees, His laws, His commands. And I think the reason He does this, when you read through chapter 11, you see that God's laws, His commands, His decrees are not to be burdensome. They're not to be something that weighs you down. They're not to be something that, oh, God just doesn't want me to have any fun, so I better, I mean, He's making me do all these things. No, There's a reason why God tells you to follow his decrees, his commands, his laws. One, he tells you to do it because he loves you. And he not only does he love you, he wants to be closer to you. When you do the things that God asks you to do, you draw closer to him. Also, when you do what God calls you to do, you prosper. When you call or when you do what God calls you to as far as his commands, his laws, his decrees, you prosper. And I'm not telling you this morning it's like a get-rich-quick scheme. Following God is not going to just make you rich. But what I mean is it will cause you to prosper in areas that matter. When you follow what God tells you to, when you follow His laws, His commands, His decrees, you'll prosper in the ways that are good. You'll prosper, for example, I was telling Kay this this morning, when you follow God's decrees, when you follow His commands, when you follow His laws, your relationships will prosper more so when you do the right thing. Those areas, when you're in your job, following what God tells you to do will impact not just how you view your job, but it will also impact the people around you. You see, kids, I'm going to tell you this, and you might be, I don't want to hear this. When your parents give you rules, they don't do it because they don't want you to have any fun. Parents don't give you rules because, hey, I just want your life to be boring. No, God gives, or your parents give you rules because they want you to be safe. They want to protect you. They, you know, they've made those mistakes, and they're saying, hey, do this differently than I did. And God gives us rules. God gives us his decrees, his commands to be better, to grow closer to him, to prosper in ways that are good. The sad truth is, is too often we just choose not to listen. We choose not to listen. God gives us his laws, his commands, his decrees, and he tells us if you do these things, life will be better, things will be better, you'll be closer to me, and we just simply choose not to listen. I once heard a preacher call it spiritual amnesia. We struggle with spiritual amnesia. We forget too often what God has told us to do. I think of an example of this 
is God's people all throughout the Old Testament. Judges chapter 2, 19 through 23. says, But when the judge died, the people returned to ways even more corrupt than those of their ancestors, following other gods and serving and worshiping them. They refused to give up their evil practices and stubborn ways. Therefore, the Lord was very angry with Israel and said, Because this nation has violated the covenant or ordained for their ancestors and has not listened to me, I will no longer drive out before them any of the nations Joshua left when he died. I will use them to test Israel and see whether they will keep the way of the Lord and walk in it as their ancestors did. The Lord has allowed those nations to remain. He did not drive them out at once by giving them into the hands of Joshua. You see, God's people just had this tendency over and over and over again to not listen to God, to not follow what God had told them to do. And over and over and over again, we see the same process. God tells his people, hey, do this. They choose not to listen. They get in trouble. God rescues them. God tells them, do these things. They choose not to listen. They get in trouble. God rescues them. Over and over and over again, we see this example of God's people choosing not to to listen, and too often we fall into the same trap. And we need to follow God's commands, His decrees, His laws, and that should be priority number one as we move into the new year, following what God has told us to do, to do the things that are right. And maybe I think the best way to do this brings us to our next part in chapter 11, Verse 2 and following, it says this, Remember today that your children were not the ones who saw and experienced the discipline of the Lord your God, His majesty, His mighty hand, His outstretched arm, the signs He performed and the things that He did in the heart of Egypt, both to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and to his whole country, what He did to the Egyptian army, to its horses and its chariots, how he overwhelmed them with the waters of the Red Sea as they were pursuing you, and how the Lord brought lasting ruin on them. It was not your children who saw what he did for you in the wilderness until you arrived at this place, and what he did to Dathan and Abram, sons of Eleb, the Reubenite, when the earth opened its mouth right in the middle of all Israel and swallowed them up with their households, their tents, and every living thing that belonged to them. But it was your own eyes that saw all these great things the Lord had done. And so we see here a sign of remembrance in chapter 11. Moses here is writing, reminding the people, remember, it's not your children who saw the things that God had done. No, it was you who saw the things that God has done. And so he says, remember Remember, there's a word that's used in verse 2 when it comes to remembering. The word is called yada. And the word in some texts is translated as considered, or in the 2011 NIV, it's referred to as remember. This word is used 43 times and is often used as a command for God's people to reflect upon, teach, and remember what God has done. It's a command. It's not a, hey, if you have time, think about these things. Hey, if you get a chance, think about these things. No, it's a command. Remember what God has done for you. 
Remember what God has done for you. Remember your children were not the ones who saw and experienced the discipline of the Lord. The phrase, the discipline of the Lord your God, is God's moral education of his people. You see, people's hearts are often swayed by sin, by temptation. People's hearts have been swayed by the things that Satan throws at them. And so it took drastic measures from God to remind his people of who he is. And we get examples of this in both positive ways and negative ways. For example, a positive way we see is the plagues of Egypt. And you might be, how in the world are plagues positive? Well, it was a remembrance for the people what God had done for them. These plagues that came in and and made Pharaoh see that he wasn't just messing with anybody, he was messing with God. The parting of the Red Sea is an awesome display of power by God to show his people who he is. But then he tells us about Dathan and Abram. They were swallowed up by the ground because of their wickedness. If you want to read that, it's in Numbers 16. And Moses tells these people, remember, it wasn't your children who saw these things. It was you who saw these things. It was you who saw God deliver these plagues. It was you who saw God part the Red Sea. It was you who saw these things. And guess what? When we look back at what God has done for us this year, we can see that it was in our lives that God did these things. And so we have an obligation to remember what God has done. And that's the second thing that we need to look at when we go into this new year. We are called to remember what God has done. And so how, how do we do that? How do we reflect on everything that God has done for us? Well, I think there's a couple of ways that we can remember what God has done for us. And the first thing is this. We remember God's word. We remember God's word. It tells us to do this, actually, in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 18. It says, Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds, Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. In your minds, in your hearts, Scripture should constantly be there all the time. You should have Scripture in your mind, in your heart, on your thoughts. One of the best ways to do this, memorize Scripture. Memorize Scripture. Spend time soaking up God's Word and putting it to memory so that when that time comes and you need Scripture, it's there in your mind, in your hearts. Think about this, 12-year-olds in the Old Testament, or in Jesus' day, in Jesus' day, would have the, the Pentateuch remembered, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, they would have those memorized word for word. And we struggle today to, to memorize a couple of verses. I mean, we do know how to memorize songs, but maybe that's what we can do, put verses to, to song and remember it that way whatever we need to, to make sure that God's word is always in our heart, in our mind. Eugene Peterson sums it up this way when he says, Christians feed on scripture. Holy scripture nurtures the holy community as food nurtures the human body. Christians don't simply learn or study or use scripture. We assimilate it, take it into our lives in such a way that it gets metabolized into acts of love, cups of cold water, missions into all the world, healing and evangelism and justice in Jesus' name. 
hands raised in adoration of the Father, feet washed in company with the Son. We don't just read Scripture, we soak it up, we take it in, and it's in our lives, and it shows itself in the things that we say and the things that we do. And when I think of this, I think of Revelation chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. And John says, So I went to the angel and asked him to give me the little scroll. He said to me, Take it and eat it. It will turn your stomach sour, but in your mouth it will be sweet as honey. I took the little scroll, as sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I had eaten it, my stomach turned sour. This carries the idea of taking in God's word, devouring God's word. And yes, sometimes God's word is going to be bitter in our stomach because we are sinful people, and sometimes we don't want to be corrected. Sometimes we don't want to be told that what we're doing is wrong, and sometimes that will be bitter in our stomach, but it is sweet as honey on our lips when we proclaim what God has done. And so this morning, I want you to take your Bible or your phone, and I want you to start, no, I'm kidding. Don't, don't eat your, you don't have to eat your Bible, okay? Don't eat your phone. I don't want any, you know, problems this morning, so, but soak it up. Soak up God's Word. Remember what God has done for you through His Word. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish on another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. Guys, we've got to be in the Word as we go into this new year. Make that a goal, a priority, is being in God's Word, soaking it up and living it out. So what's another thing that we can do to remember what God has done? Well, we can remember to teach what God has done. Remember to teach what God has done. One of the things that I've always heard is one of the best ways to learn is to teach. If you want to learn, teach. And so teach people around you what God has done in your life. This comes to us uh, in uh, Deuteronomy verse 19 in chapter 11. It says, teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Write them on your door frames of your houses and on your gates so that your days and the days of your children may be many in the land of the Lord. Swore to give your ancestors as many as the days that the heavens are above the earth. You see, for so long, the word of God was passed down orally from family to family to family, from generation to generation. It was when they started getting afraid, oh, people are going to forget to tell people that they started writing it down, which is where we get the Mishnah, the written down oral law. But for the longest time, it had been passed down orally from generation to generation to generation. And we need to do the same thing. We need to tell people, teach people what God is doing in our lives, what he has done in our lives. And especially this morning, if you are here and you have children, you need to be teaching your children what God has done throughout scripture, throughout your life, throughout the life of your family. Teach them what has happened. This is important that we teach our children, the future generations, what God has done for us. And this is something that we take very seriously here at Cornerstone, teaching children what God has done for them and for us. 
And uh, I got an example of that. There's a video, if you'll share it. This is something from Wednesday nights. Well, there's something there, but you get you get the the picture. JP takes it very seriously. I know when he teaches on Wednesday nights. I know Nora and all the other teachers who are here on Wednesday night take it very seriously making sure that, you know, the kids hear what God has done for them. And so, if you want to learn, teach. Teach people what God has done for you, and make sure you pass it down from your generation to the next generation. Teach your children what God has done for them. And so, what's the third thing? What's the third thing that we can do to remember There is a song you've heard, no doubt. It's called, Come Thou Fount, an old hymn. There's a verse in this song, it's verse 2, and it says this, Here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I've come, and I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God, he to rescue me from danger, interposed his precious blood. And and there's a word in there that we've heard, and we kind of often wonder, what does that word mean? What does Ebenezer mean? Well, there's a story in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 7, verse 7 through 12, and it tells us this. It says, When the Philistines heard that Israel had assembled at Mizpah, the rulers of the Philistines came up to attack them. When the Israelites heard of it, they were afraid because of the Philistines. They said to Samuel, Do not stop crying out to the Lord our God for us, that he may rescue us from the hand of the Philistines. Then Samuel took a suckling lamb and sacrificed it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. He cried out to the Lord on Israel's behalf, and the Lord answered him. While Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to engage Israel in battle. But that day the Lord thundered with loud thunder against the Philistines and threw them into such a panic that they were routed before the Israelites. The men of Israel rushed out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines, slaughtering them along the way to a point below Bethkar. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shin. He named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. And so this word Ebenezer simply means stone of God's help. And it was a sign that throughout this battle, God had delivered uh, the Philistines into their hands. God had helped them at this time. It was a, a memorial, an altar, reminding them what God had done for them. And so how do we remember what God has done? Well, I summed it up like this. Here we lay our Ebenezer. When you reflect on what God has done for you this year, set out a, 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 an altar, set out a stone, set out something to remind you what God has done in your life, how he has helped you this year through all the struggles, through all the heartbreak, through all the sorrow, through all the things that have happened in your life. Stop and remember what God has done for you. 
You know, a few weeks ago, I was talking, actually about a month ago, I was talking to Cody about this message this morning, and we were talking about this church. And we wanted to spend some time reflecting on what has God done in this church this year? What can we look at and say, man, God has really helped us with this this year? And we just started throwing out things that we saw that that God has done for us this year. For example, I asked Cody, Cody, how do you think God was working this year with the youth group? How do you think God was working with D-Zone? What do you think about that? And one of the things he pointed out is, guess what? We're starting to see more kids come back this year. And guess what? Because we're not taking the bus and the van out right now, we're meeting new parents and we're making face-to-face contact with them. And guess what? We're building relationships and you know, he's like, yes, eventually I wanted to bring the bus and the van back out, but this has been a good thing that's happened while we've been waiting. God has been doing something amazing by introducing us to parents. I was like, that's good, that's good, Cody. What else do you got? What else do you got? And he goes, oh, uh, uh, we got to go and help at Voice of the Martyrs this year with our aftershock ministry, and guess what? We got to put Bibles and, and care packages together and send them out to people. And that's really cool because they got to, to experience what it's like to serve others. And I was like, that's, that's great, that's great. And I asked him and Nora, Nora, tell me about D-Zone. What are some good things that have happened in D-Zone this year? And she's told me, guess what? We've got to, to meet a lot of new parents. And guess what? We've got, to, uh, we've got to see kids learn a lot about you know, Jesus and what he's done. And she goes, one of the best things that we did, we started doing our prayer time with Randall and, and writing down the request of the kids. And it's amazing to see how God has been working in their lives by them praying for, for all these things. And they're things that we may look at and be like, oh, that's silly. But to them, that's their whole world. And so for them to pray over those things and see how God has responded to each of those things, it's been absolutely wonderful. And, and, I, and she sends me the list every single week of the kids and, and their prayer requests so that I can, I can pray over them as well. And it's cool to see what God is doing in the life of our children here. And I, I was thinking, man, what else has God done in the life of the church this year? That was amazing. And, you know, this year we hosted our first women's event. And we saw 28, 28 to 30 women here for this women's event. That's amazing. For the first one we've done to see that many ladies come here and, and want to grow closer to God. And guess what? Now we're doing our uh, women's Bible study on Monday nights again. And man, it's cool to see how God is working in the life of the ladies in this church. And, and men, we, we got together this year and we prayed. We prayed for one another. We prayed for the, the church and we prayed that God would, would move and work in our lives here. And it's just been amazing to see what God has done here this year. But there's one thing that stands out to me most. When I think about how has God worked this year, how has God helped us this year as a church, and I think the next slide there's a picture. Man, if there's anything, that I thank God for all those other things. But more so than anything, I thank God for opportunities for people to change their lives, to to come closer to Jesus, to give their life to him, to see kids give their lives to Jesus, to see uh, Chloe and Sage give their life to Jesus this year. 
and Denise, man, to see Denise and all the things that she has gone through and to see uh, her fire for God and for her to come to me and be like, you know what, I want to get baptized. I never was baptized, and I want to get baptized. That is worth praising God for. That's worth celebrating all the things that God has done this year. Here we lay our Ebenezer, and we think about what God has done for us, how he has helped us, how he has moved in our lives, not just as individuals, but as a church. As we have so many things to be thankful for as we look into this new year. These are just a few of the things that God has done for us this year, and I'm sure there are more things that I'm um, not listing, and you could probably tell me more things that you have seen God do, and that's, that's great. And so here's what we need to do. We need to remember what God has done. Remember what God has done through his word and all the things that he has done throughout history by studying and soaking up his word. Remember what God has done by teaching people what God has done in your life. Teach your children so that someday they can teach their children what God has done in their life and pass it along from generation to generation. And take the opportunities to reflect on what God has done and raise that Ebenezer to say, thank you, God, for what you have done to help me this year. And so I want us this morning to think about these things. Are we following God's commands? Are we following God's decrees, His laws, the things He has set for us? Are we remembering, this, looking back this previous year, all the things that God has done for you in your life? How in the midst of the difficulties, God lifted you out of that and walked beside you and helped you through it? The ways that God has blessed you this year. Those of you who say this has been the best year I've had in a really long time. How has God blessed you this year? If you're the ones who are thinking about this year and thinking about how exhausted you were, who was it who was there by your side giving you that push, that strength you needed to continue on? But more so than anything, I want us to remember this. The greatest thing that he has ever done for us is in 1 Peter 1, 18 through 20, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of this world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. It's not with anything that you've done. It's not with any gold or silver or any perishable thing that we have been redeemed. No, it is redemption from, that Jesus Christ brings to us. That is how we have been forgiven, how we've been redeemed. The blood of Jesus Christ, the sacrificial lamb. God sent his son to die for us. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up, and as they do, Maybe you are looking back at this year and you're reflecting on it and you are seeing, man, there's a lot of times that I just felt really distant from God. And I just need this morning to reconnect with my Savior. I need to reconnect with my Father. If that's the case, where you're at, you could come up here. I would love to pray with you. Our elders would love to pray with you. If you just need to spend time where you're at praying, I do so. Reconnect. Or maybe this morning, 
you need to make a decision to give your life to Christ, to follow him. And if that's the case, if you have a decision like that to make, you can come and talk with me. I'd love to talk with you. Any of the elders would love to talk with you as well. We're getting ready to move into a new year. New opportunities, maybe a fresh start. So let's start with these two goals. Let's, number one, make God's laws, His commands, His decrees a priority in our lives. Let's make sure we are doing what God calls us to do, to do the right thing, when it, even when it's hard, to, to do what God asks us to do. And then remember what God is doing in your life every single day. Celebrate the blessings that God has given you when you feel down and you just can't push on anymore. Go to God for strength. Remember how He has taken you through difficult times before. Remember His Word. Soak it up. Spend time just in Scripture every single day growing closer to God. Teach people what God has done in your life. Tell them how He has changed your life. And make sure you take time to celebrate what God has done for you. Find creative ways to do it. One of the things, I saw somebody put it on Pinterest. They actually cut out a cardboard Ebenezer and every day they would write on here, this is what God has done for me today. Creative things like that. Just find ways to make sure you celebrate what God has done in your life. So this morning, if you need to spend time in prayer, if you have a decision to make, I pray that you would do so as we stand and we sing.